0: 2022 was an absolutely amazing year for the Sim Sundays podcast and for GridFinder. Tom and I never really thought that this podcast would grow at the rate that it has, and we appreciate all of you listening and watching. What we're going to do is we're going to go back, check out all of our episodes, this is the 28th one, and we're going to pick 10 moments that we think kind of set themselves apart from a lot of the other moments which were all great in their own right but these are the top 10 that we believe just kind of stood out a little bit in our minds this is the best of 2022 so our first moment that we picked this streamer doesn't really need any introduction it's laurent and we were talking a little bit about you know when you're on the track in your sim rig Every once in a while, you know, you're trying to be clean, you're trying to race as respectfully as you can, but every once in a while, there's that moment that creeps in your mind and you just want to just turn your wheel straight into the other person just to just to kind of have a little bit of fun in the virtual world that we all play in, right? Well, this moment, we talk a little bit about that. It makes me want to play Wreckfest a little bit, which I did notice on your channel. You do play Lawrence, yeah. Uh, just because sometimes, sometimes you just want to throw someone into a spin. Sometimes you want to be that guy that crashes all over,
1: and in that yeah. game, that's
0: the point. Like
1: that's so, fine. So do, doing Wreckfest was great, especially in the early days of building a community. It was amazing because, like, I I'd, I'd be streaming, and literally every single person who watched my stream would be in Wreckfest with me. So the stream would be like a <laughs> big fat zero viewers, and you know, <laughs> we would have crazy amounts of fun, and it would, a couple of hours later, you know, stream would be over, no viewers, I didn't even care, right? Just then it got to time. a stage, then it got to a stage where, you know, there'd be 20 people inside in Wreckfest, and there might be 20 people watching. Now, all of a sudden, the, the dynamic is completely different, because the 20 people who are in Wreckfest with you, they know there are 20 people watching. So what did they do? They wreck Lawrence Yeah. So, so streaming Wreckfest as a streamer is like no fun at all <laughs> because uh, I, can, you, I can imagine you can, that you can't get around a single corner
0: <laughs> it'd be just like if you watch any you know Call of Duty or any you know Battle Royale game streamers where the people that are watching your stream are also finding you because they know where you are in the map so you're always in this constant state of I have to battle harder than everyone else in this whole entire <laughs> exactly. server. That makes complete sense. Yeah. <laughs> Wreckfest reminds me, uh, I don't know why, it's, it's completely different, but I think of Twisted Metal when I think of Wreckfest for some reason. I'm like, just put rocket launchers on the cars, and then yeah. you have Twisted Metal, you know? That sounds like fun. That, that was, was like
1: a, the, uh, original, the original Battle Royale. Yeah. Twisted it, Metal 2 World Tour was amazing.
0: It realistically was the first Battle Royale. Love and, this. I mean, I played that game quite a bit when I was a kid, and then they remastered it recently. Um, yeah. I think it, well, not recently. I think it was on PS3 or maybe <laughs> yeah. even 4 And I tried it, and I was like, "Why did I like this game?" Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't hold my attention anymore. I don't know why. Yeah. What was that? What
2: was that PlayStation? I want to say PlayStation Two game where the whole point was that there'd be a scenario, right? So there'd be like a junction or a roundabout. There'd be some buses. There was always, 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 there's always a lorry with lots of logs on it. And then there would be like (laughs) dump trucks and stuff. And then you had to drive usually down a hill. You'd hit a jump that was just there on the road because it's there. And then you'd have to, you'd get points for the amount of like destruction that you would cause in that, like in the, was it like, was it called burnout?
1: Yeah, I burn
0: think it was burnout. burnout? Yeah, you're supposed yeah. to like you're supposed to get super close to crashes or even like you get bonus points for some crashes. One of the people in chat said Carmageddon, That's another one where like you take and crash things for points. Um but I think yeah. what you're talking about, I think it is burnout. I think it's I think it's I think it's burnout.
2: And I think yeah. kind of, I always think of that whenever I go into like an of course unranked lobby in like the Tartus. And it's like turn one at Monza, and I get smashed. I'm like, oh, Burnout 2, <laughs> turn one Monza.
0: Like, go again.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: My strategy so, on turn one on any track is always just to kind of like let them go. I'm like, I'll just I'll wait, and then I'll go through this turn. Like the
2: Dave Cam, the Dave Cam approach. If yeah, you've ever like seen this. Dave Cam on iRacing, he, he will often start from the pit, the pit lane and still get up onto like a podium position, uh, which is an inspiring technique. And it's and obviously it's great to watch because you get to watch him do like all the overtakes and stuff yeah. and, as, and like that first sense. half a lap, he's just like driving through this like apocalyptic racetrack <laughs> with just wrecks of cars, like like on either side, like barriers in flames and he just oh, drives man. through.
1: And then you, you go and try to do it yourself and you just can't catch the other cars. Like what's that yeah, about? You, Exactly,
2: <laughs> you, you completely don't appreciate the fact that he's now come out like with freezing cold tires and <laughs> like you go out and you spin around and then you're just the same you just join the apocalypse
0: <laughs> this next moment features dave cam now we had dave cam and Lawrence dosos were on the stage with us at sim racing expo this year for a little bit of two truths and one lie that was a great time but in dave cam's episode tom revealed a little bit about his um well kind of strange way that tom first saw dave check this one out
2: and actually you know what? i was going to start by mentioning the the one time that we'd met which was the sim racing expo um and i was kind of going to use that as a segue into this beautifully prepared interview that i've got got lined up but you know what i've just realized talking about cutting northeast is that actually we haven't met so much before but
3: yeah i remember you told me this story yeah you were watching me eating my bacon sandwich weren't you that's what you were doing you were you were drooling over my bacon butty with brown sauce
2: Honestly, you'd be forgiven for thinking this is the weirdest fanboy story ever. So I was on my way to the, the karting track in Sunderland, and on the way there, as I do, bit of pre-race, you know, athletes' energy, I stopped to get a car at McDonald's. And I remember getting out of the car for some reason. I was just sat there just having like a coffee and a, a whatever, some kind of sandwich. And I looked over, and I think you and Mrs. Dave Cam were sat in the car looking straight across at me. I had my grid finder hoodie, and I was like, right. I've lingered here too long. I can't walk over now because I think he's see me. And if I just linger and not then wander over long. and say, yeah, say hello, have left you too long. David, like, oh god, it's one of my sim racing fans. <laughs> they, they, they they found me. They found me in Sunderland.
3: You should have popped over. You should have popped over. I would have shared my hash brown. I would have they shared are. my Mackie's hash brown.
2: They are magical. Actually. Oh, they
3: are indeed.
2: I had, I had two this morning. But anyway, let's not get into let's not get into all that. <laughs> so we met. Uh, a year ago at the sim racing expo yep we did and it was a strange time right because it was just post covid and yeah. your channel has seen a massive massive rise and a lot of sim racing has seen a has seen a huge boom and the sim racing expo was really the first time that everybody could get back together after um after covid no one kind of got back together all the hardware manufacturers were there and there was a lot of streamers i remember seeing uh, gamer muscle with his with his selfie stick, but yeah. like a solid twenty,
4: yeah, yeah. twenty
2: five, thirty hours running around, and, and you and Mrs. Dave Cam were, were there, and uh, yeah, we had a good time. We um, we went to the the esports lounge yeah. in the evening, and we did the 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 twenty four hours. At, well, the Nurburgring challenge, yeah. One won by, I'm not it was won by Jimmy Broad. I think
3: Jimmy, Jimmy won that, didn't he?
2: Jimmy Jimmy did win it. Yeah, but it was um, it was a great community event and it was the first time that I'd been to something like this where it was an event put on by an industry and all the people who have some kind of stake in the industry were there and it's all sorts of people it's it's streamers it was racers it was hardware producers how much of that have you managed to build into your your streaming career
3: um I mean that was the first event like that I'd I'd been to because I've not been sim racing that long you know five and a half years that's all that's all I've been doing and that was the first time I had a chance to go to the Expo and, and and it was incredible. I mean, I've always been a motorcyclist and I've always gone out on a Sunday with friends and you'd go for a, to a bike meet and, and it, it was a very similar vibe. You know, you all had this common interest. So it was like us bikers meeting up and whoever it was, whatever bike you rode, you know, a little of the head, you were all on the same page. And it was very similar at the Expo. Um, you know, we were all kind of linked with this weird little hobby that we've got, and we all have shared this very similar passion, no matter who you were or or what sim you liked. Um, with regards to bringing it into the community, well, I don't really think too much about things like that. You know, I'm just a sim racer, exactly the same as, as anybody else that sim races. You know, I, I'm exactly the same. So I, and I don't, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't really put any time into what I do. I don't think about it too much. Uh, because I'm just a sim racer and I just happened to upload my videos to YouTube so um I didn't walk around with a selfie stick because I wanted to experience it as a punter I didn't want to be there with a camera yeah I recorded a, co- a couple of very small pieces which I never actually used I never made a video on my experience because I just wanted to experience it as a you know as a paying punter you know so I paid queued like everybody else went in I just wanted to do it as you would you know a, a punter and absolutely absolutely loved it
0: for many of us sim racers the desire to be a content creator is just kind of second nature it just kind of comes with the territory a little bit because we want to share those amazing moments that we have on the track even if it's just us sitting in our sim rigs and we're like wow that was a really cool moment i should probably share that and then streaming comes into mind well this next clip is with jardier and he talks about how he got his start in the sim racing world of content creation and streaming.
5: Hell, the microphone, you know, and everything was like so, so bad, you know, like bad FPS and I, mm-hmm. I, think, like, I, I think if you ask almost every single content creator, they will tell you that they had like a, the shittiest camera, the shittiest computer, the, the worst audio and everything like that, you know? Because, yeah. yeah. Well,
2: Everyone's first stream is an experiment, right? I, I, like, yeah. I think there's very, very few streamers who are now yeah. at like 50,000 subscribers or more who like knew from the very first video, right? This is, this is what I'm going to do in five years and I'm going to grow it to this yeah. many hundreds of thousands of followers and it's going to be my career. It's always an experiment.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like for, for me, it never was like, I didn't like care about the numbers too much. For me, it was basically, I was do, like, I'm doing streaming for like a set, 70 years now, basically almost 18 years. And... I just love it so much. I'm happy I can share it with someone else now. You know, I'm so happy we build like the community around it. And it's just it's just so, so nice to, mm. to have this, to have like the, the feedback from people and such. But I really like didn't too much. Obviously, it's nice when it turns into your job. Yeah, but it never wasn't like it never was an idea basically for that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, I just wanted to like at the evening just do some race or video or stream and see how it's going to end up, you know. So what did you do in your
2: first live video? Like what 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 game was it? What did you decide to do?
5: So I think I I did some like HotLabs videos in Assetto Corsa One. It was like Lap on Roadshow or something like that. And then Project Cars Two released, and I was like, wow, this game is nice. I did really enjoy it. Mm. And I started doing uh, eSport in Project Cars Two, like right when it released. It was uh, ESL eSport. like like it was like one race on Sunday and was like for prize money. And I started recording myself for these races, and, like doing the commentary. Basically, mm. exactly the thing I'm doing now. Yeah. <laughs> Just worse quality. <laughs> way worse quality. Worse English and everything. And, uh, and I think when I reached, like, suddenly I, I gained like, I was having, like, I don't know, 100 subscribers or 200 subscribers for, like, years. It was basically all my friends and everything. And, and then I started doing these project cars too. And suddenly in December, I gained, like, 1,100 subscribers. The algorithm was, like, found you. It was like absolutely insane it was like it was absolutely insane and i still don't understand like how that happened why that happened i mean it was literally one month you know then it was way less the next month yeah yeah and and for like two years but that one month suddenly i get like 1500 subscribers i was like so crazy you know and uh, and then like four and just basically i i date my channel start like to that day i think it's 2017 december like I basically say, that's where my channel started because like a month before or two months before I started doing a little bit more serious videos, and and then I think March or April 2018, I did my first ever stream, and it was all thanks to George Ortner. He was streaming race room back in the day, mm. and uh he like I was like watching his streams, and I was like, wow, I need to try that as well. I think we did like race together, and he was like, you should try to stream as well, you know, <laughs> and. It was wild. It was crazy. Yeah, it's, it was uh, so weird and so awesome at the same time. And I immediately fall in love. You know, I'm yeah. like, as, as you can see, I'm a talkative person. I like to talk and and I never shut up. And <laughs> and uh, I I realized that I like doing videos. I, I I'm I'm very bad in making videos, but I like talking and doing stuff. And I feel like the streaming is just perfect for me because you have like the immediate interaction with people, and it's so nice. And this next clip.
0: We talked to Jeff McConey. Now, Jeff McConey, he sells setups for iRacing. Setups, in their beginning, were probably a little controversial because, you know, it's, it's just adjusting sliders and, and moving numbers within a game. But a lot of people like me just don't know how to make the best setup. Jeff McConey, he's going to explain a little bit about the backlash and also some of the drama between sim racing setup companies.
6: Yeah, it... So we were one of the first to offer setups individually. Now, services like VRS already existed, and they would do a monthly subscription. Now, with VRS, you were also getting telemetry and, and other things involved with it as well, and it was at a low price. Granted, the setups were not nearly at the level at what we were putting out and continue to put out, but you also got other aspects to it as well. So it wasn't it was more learning how to drive. And you got setups too, versus okay. us. It's purely you get setups. You are buying setups from us. Now we've grown and changed and added a lot of different uh, features and products. So when we started that though, and when I started the company, there absolutely was backlash and people. Mm-hmm. And and I I fully understand it and I respect the opinion and I and I I get it. Of you know Jeff. You've brought this onto the iRacing community. This plague of setup shops of people um, trying to make oh. money off of it, and yikes! In
0: wait, wait—the racers in iRacing mm-hmm. microtransaction Specsful. hell <laughs> are mad at you for also giving setups and giving another option to make you more competitive in iRacing. That seems weird to me.
6: Yeah, you have that and on the other hand though, there's been so people got very greedy very fast uh, huh. with setup yeah. shops and it very quickly devolved to in a lot of uh wrecking other people from other shops and a lot of um spamming the chat and saying, Oh, my setup's better. And you know, you need to buy from me and not this person. And, and this person's sure. stealing setups from them and everything else. And, and the one thing I always said from the start is we need to stay out of that. And I I just told everyone, guys, if they wreck you protest it, you know, don't get drawn in, don't get sucked into this crazy mindset that they have of just absolute. I mean, it's, it's very toxic, but it's an obsession. With it, it seems, and so for the average person that sees this and isn't involved with the shop, they see how toxic it is and how crazed some of these people are chasing mm. money, and so it definitely. And I will, I will admit, it was an issue of it got out of control way too fast. Where anyone could start a shop and sell setups, it got, it got out of hand far too quickly. And there were some shops that started up that, I mean, just one day they just took a bunch of people's money and stopped providing setups. I mean, I know of <laughs> at least, yeah, I know I know of one case oh, where that happened and we, you know, knowing this, put out a statement saying, if you bought from them, we will honor that purchase. So if you bought, oh, okay. you know, three weeks of truck setups from them, you, we will give them to you. Just send us the receipt showing you paid for it. Because that's just the right thing to do. And when we're the first ones, you know, it, it, it opened Pandora's box. If it wasn't me that did it, somebody else would have. So yeah. I, you could say I feel an obligation and a responsibility to make sure that we are doing things right, running a good business, not scamming people, because we were the ones that opened Pandora's box. We unleashed this onto the community. And... <laughs> we need to be there to we can't fix and control what other people do but we can't control what we do and make sure that we treat customers right
0: mr random call sign is going to be in our next clip now this was one of our first episodes actually i think it was other than the pilot the very first episode with a guest on here he talks a little bit about some of the games that he plays outside of the sim racing world and well the game that he plays, I can definitely understand the frustration that he has with this game. Check it out. So outside of sim racing, what would you say is your ultimate chill-out game? What is the game that you always go back to or you can kind of always rely on to be that like release for you to relax with?
7: I don't have like a game per se for, uh, for releasing. And most of the games that I play are absolutely not about... You know relaxing now i'm playing elden ring i did see that yeah and that thing god damn it <laughs> i love it i know it it's been it's my first souls game okay so i haven't played dark souls one 2, three. i haven't played Sekiro or anything like bloodborne or anything so i'm also one of those guys that started playing difficult games when they were six You know, XCOM super like into micromanagement. You need even need to buy the rounds and the explosives of every single one. And then you have to make sure that everybody is geared up with the things that are expendables. on the next mission. They are not there and you have to buy the missiles and all of that. So I was doing that kind of stuff when I was six, seven and eight. And Mm -hmm. I've always found it really, really cool. But then. 30 years later. I'm playing Sekiro and dying over and, over and over again instead of finding something that, okay, this is relaxing. No. Yeah. God damn it. I have to do it again. I was almost killing that boss that took me six hours. I feel like
0: that that kind of goes well with sim racing, though, because sim racing is kind of in the same, where it's like, yeah. oh, I almost beat my best time. Oh, one more lap. I can I can nail that that world record on my... Console or whatever, right? So yeah, exactly.
2: As well, right? Setups uh, is 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 similar to setting up a a weapon or a loadout or whatever. Oh is.
7: yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's with setups you are going, I guess, a bit blind. You can more or less rough ball it. Okay, my car is understeering, so I'm gonna you know maybe give it a little, make the the springs tighter at the back or something like that, and you can. Rough it out, but you never um, uh, know—never know on the course of uh, one lap or two laps or ten laps or fifteen laps, depending on the on the length of the session you need to do, or if you're just doing for a time attack. You never know how it's going to play out. The thing with the thing with the Elden Ring is that you know how it's going to play out. You're going to suffer. That's that's (laughs) that's for sure. That's the first thing. You're going to suffer, and then you have it like especially well done, but. The boss like, cheeses some spam thing, and, and then you die. But I know this is the way. This is the correct loadout. I have the correct skill for the weapon or whatever. And then you do it then over and over and over and over again. Yeah. But even though you know exactly that's the correct way to approach it.
0: Sometimes we get to have amazing sim racing influencers and and company owners and just important people to this little hobby that we do in our little sim rigs in our offices this one was at sim racing expo this year in 2022 and it's with thomas yakmeyer and he is the fanatech ceo and he just talks a little bit about how he got his start and actually my absolute dream wheel has a rally win Check this one out.
2: Brought your, uh, you brought your Ford Puma rally box for the steering wheel that Sebastian Loeb actually raced in at the Monte Carlo rally. That's pretty freaking cool. And it's, there's a bit of a personal
4: attachment there, right? Well, it, 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 he did not just race it. He, he, won. Won, he, he won. won the rally <laughs> Monte Carlo. And I, I have to say, I mean, when I, when I started this company 25 years ago, that, that somebody would have told me that... Um, Somebody will win the Rally Monte Carlo in our steering wheel. I, I had no idea how, how far that goes. Yeah.
2: Did did you go? Did you go to the rally? Did you watch?
4: I uh, no, actually not this time. I was I was uh, there last last year, but not unfortunately not not this time. Yeah.
2: Okay, so go on. What did Sebastian Loeb say about the button box? Did he, he liked it? Presumably.
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean. For the drivers, most of all, it's uh, the most important thing is it doesn't break, it, it yeah. just does a job and um, um, and then, of course, without this uh, steering wheel, he would have no, had no chance, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it
2: was all in the steering <laughs> wheel, 100%. <Only. laughs> but this isn't the first time that you've created a product that actually works in a real-world car, right?
4: This is actually our third product. Yeah. Um, so we first, we started the development with the Bentley, but we showed uh, the BMW first, uh, which also won several uh, races in, 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 in GT3 racing. Uh, with the Bentley, we went to um, Pikes Peak.
2: Yeah, very um, cool.
4: So having the the, the real uh, real race, uh, uh, our steering wheels and the real race cars, but that's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, that's incredibly cool. The idea of your product like, being such a big part of real-world motorsport because it's it's sim racing, right? It's simulating motorsport, so you're kind of you're kind of very visibly bridging the gap between sim racing and motorsport. But at the same time, as we'll see when we go through your 25-year displays, Fanatec is rooted
4: in gaming, right? It is rooted in gaming, but we are now moving more forwards, being a, a motorsport company, and our mission is clearly to bring both worlds together. So I believe in in the merger between sim racing and and real-world racing. Um, so we do this by by the products uh, put them put our products in the car make it basically compatible with both but also on the on the racing series side what we did with, with uh, the Fanatec City world was that uh, basically the, the, the real world racers are racing in a simulator for championship points yeah uh, I think that was another uh, groundbreaking move and we are talking to more series and there were gonna be more racing series doing it like that and, and our vision is that basically all major racing series at some point will have a sim racing element in there. I think that would be because this sim racing is the only esport which where you actually have the the transfer from the, the, the know-how you get in, in sim racing yeah. to the real world. I mean it doesn't happen with any other esports.
2: Yeah we talk about that a lot actually on the podcast. We talk about how most professional like FIFA players Probably couldn't last 90 minutes on the field, and most like Call of Duty players probably wouldn't last very long in the SAS, right? <laughs> Whereas you get a lot of sim racers going into motorsport and immediately being on the pace, right?
4: Playing Counter Strike doesn't make you a good terrorist. <laughs> uh,
2: no, <laughs> Fortunately. <hope> <laughs> yeah, thank God for that. <laughs> okay, so your um, big, well, you're not not as so much an announcement, but kind of your big feature this year at the expo is it's 25 years of Fan Attack, which. Congratulations. That's pretty friggin' awesome just to, to have a company that's 25 years and has been so dominant all the way through. I mean, there's, we can see loads and loads of brands here. Lots of people have moved into sim racing, but arguably you were one of the first to do it.
0: Next up, we have Seb Hawkins. Seb Hawkins manages Williams' esports team. Now, as you can imagine, with any esports team, especially with social media and just dealing with families and the public and things like that, there are some some things that he has to worry about that we as just general sim racers or sim racers that aren't part of an esports team don't really think about so he kind of highlights some of the difficulties that he goes through when managing the williams esports team
2: something he said there which struck me was um the focus on social media right so some of the most successful esports drivers um have got there partly through their social media strategies. And, you know, they've built up big audiences and then teams will want them not just for their performance, but also for the audience that they can bring and the exposure that they can then bring to that team's uh, partners and sponsors, right? Um, But as much as social media could make a driver, it can break a driver. And now we've seen (laughs) so many examples and not to single out F1, but I, I think that F1 esports drivers, in particular, seem to keep coming up with, you know, statements like, you know, I'd like to formally apologise to everyone that watched me for my behaviour in my last stream. This doesn't reflect the values from X, Y, and Z. Uh, you know, F1 esports team. I'm gonna go away and think about it. All and then a couple of days later, the team announces that, you know, they've parted ways, and and that's it. So, yep. how do you deal with that because that must be tough that must be really tough when these kids are so young they're going to make mistakes it doesn't necessarily Mm. excuse it in some of the extreme circumstances but sometimes they're just making mistakes and then that can ruin them
8: yeah i think so i think what it is 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 when you explain to a driver the consequences of what can happen they sit there and go Yes, I, I I can clearly and I can see how that can be detrimental to partners, to the team, to the, to the way that we kind of work as a brand, and not only just Williams Esports, but Williams Racing. Our, you know, our heads are on the line if they make a post that affects all of the guys and the girls in the factory and and the work that's done and the the drivers. So, but controversially, with the way that F one is in the real world, we have to be careful with what our drivers say and then sharing opinions and stuff like that. Um, it's really tough. More notably, as you say, F one is 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 I think, more in the spotlight, so it gets, uh, you know, anything negative you put out there gets seen quicker, and, and it spirals out of control quicker. And if anything, F1 Esports is a really good thing that we have on the team to show the rest of the drivers how not to use social media, mm-hmm. because it's a really good example of, again, they put a tweet out, and then it gets deleted. And as you say, the consequence and the problems it causes for the team, when we've already got 10 to 12 events in a week, you know, and not many staff to sit here and filter through everything that's done, Part of being a team player is making sure that you're keeping on top of the way you're using social media. So we don't disallow drivers to use social media, but instead, if, for example, we get taken out at turn one, instead of just calling that driver out, we find a nice, you know, civilized and professional way of saying what happened at turn one. Because it's also something we discuss a lot. You know, it's fair for a driver to share their, their opinion or what happened, because often it's not broadcasted in F1 esports. You know, you see lots of replays in the real world, but with F1, we're noticing crash and p12 and nobody knows about it they just see the final result and that can be quite bad to their following because they go ah well they finished p15 well actually we finished p15 because of x y and z and they should have that ability to explain why and it's fair for them to tell their audience why but we've also got to be careful because if they make a post and their audience see the post or if they share a video feed Instantly, if you've got ten thousand followers that support you, those ten thousand followers are going to hate the person that hit you at one. Be it their fault or not, um, and so we have to be careful from that side. And, and like before, we already pointed out, these drivers are very young and mentally. If you have had you know, even a hundred people coming onto your back and saying you're a bad driver, I can't believe you did this to this other driver. It's a really bad thing to have. Doesn't matter if they're part of other teams or where they're from. We we kind of look out for that too. the Biggest thing we do with drivers is to make sure that instantly after the races they don't just make a post. Um, mm. You know, yeah. we sit down, we work with them, and we say, "What is it you want to post? This is how we can help it. This is how we can filter it if we feel it's a bit too." Negative. Um, and again, it helps for us because we can use the real F one driver scenario and say, "Well, look what Nicky and Albon would do if they've had bad luck. They never just post something crazy onto social media unless it's something super strong that that all 20 drivers are in unison about um so it is tough there's no right or wrong way to do it and i think unlike working in an office space where you can stop somebody from doing something straight away your discord you do have that internet filter and again that that's a problem for discord chats that go out of control for bop testing or whatever Um, but also for just generally anything that that can be seen negative in the industry so you know more recently any exploits or bugs that we find on games you know the internet will react to that and how it reacts to that but let Let's not join the internet. Let's just keep ourselves as a team standpoint. And if we have an opinion as a team, that we'll, we'll stick with that too.
0: Next up, we have our sponsor, Track Racer, and Mr. Matt Sten. We got to talk to Matt Sten at Sim Racing Expo 2022, and the interesting thing is they're releasing peripherals now, so steering wheels, pedals, handbrakes, things like that. And that was the first time that they got to get some real general public feedback on some of their items. Check this one out.
2: Hello, it's day two of the Sim Racing Expo, and I'm here with Matt Sten, CEO of Track Racer in front of their beautiful, well, F1 car and TRX rig. How's it going, Matt? Wonderful. Thanks, Tom. It was nice to see you again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, because you've been on the you've been on the podcast before, so second second visit. Welcome, yeah, number, number welcome one. Welcome back. How's the Expo been so
9: far? Uh, we've had a lot of positive feedback, uh, mostly about the new Alpine rig and our peripherals, um, which no one was expecting. So, uh, yeah, I think it's 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 very it's worthwhile.
2: Yeah, it's been fun. It's actually been fun walking around the. Um, it's been fun walking around the track racer like expo hall because you've got like a huge footprint here and you've got the Alpine car as well. And actually, I have to admit, it's the first time I've been like up close and person with an Alpine. It's a pretty sexy looking car, right?
9: Yeah, well, that's the uh, A110S, w- which uh, isn't your standard Al- Alpine A110S. Uh, you've got the S, and then you've got the R. Right. Okay. The R, there's only two of them. Uh, that's the Alonso version. So unfortunately, right. we weren't able to get one of those. But this one's
2: amazing, anyway. Yeah. So we... much as your. It does. Yeah, orange. <laughs> <laughs> so we were saying yesterday uh, with a couple of our guests that the Expo hasn't necessarily been as busy maybe as we expected it, but I've noticed that the track racer area is always pretty much full. There's always, every single rig is taken. So are you getting a lot of good feedback on, the, on your products?
9: Uh, yeah, well, you know, for the peripherals, it was good to uh, show those to customers and get feedback because we haven't gone into production yet, yeah. um, but we will over the next few months. Uh, so we're getting valuable feedback there. Uh, so far, we've had all positive feedback about the uh, TRX. Yeah, including one muscle man that came over yesterday, and he's like, uh, "Put that Simicube Pro on 100%. Uh, I want to try out your rig." And, he, and then after that, he said, "This is the best rig I've ever t- I've ever seen."
2: I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't get much better than that. I mean, no. the TRX on your. So I'm a member of your Track race uh, Facebook group, and there is so much talking there every single day about the TRX, like. Your customers cannot wait, for the, the guys who have pre-ordered it, can't wait to see yeah, it. And this is one of the first times it's been seen out in the wild, right? Well,
9: it is the first time. We've got uh, over 1,200 pre-orders as well.
2: Right, wow, that's epic. That is yeah. very, very cool. Yeah, and okay, so we've got the um, the TRXs here, so that's a, that's a big deal. That's like, you've been waiting for this. It's, it's great to get it out there in the open. But you've also got, your electronics, yes. so track racer historically have all been about the um, the rigs mainly, right? And now you've got the electronics coming out. That's a huge step for the company, right?
9: Yeah, and unlike a lot of companies, we've actually developed our own software. So it'll work with our own software, but also Simharb and Z1 for those guys yeah, yeah. that prefer those. So we're not locking people into our ecosystem.
2: Oh, that's actually really interesting, because I knew that you were coming out with your own software, and I figured it was because you wanted to get everybody to kind of stay within the ecosystem. But, I mean, that makes so much more sense, allowing people to use SimHub, because people are, we're all creatures of habit, right? If I have set my SimHub up exactly how I want it, and then you're saying, I can't use SimHub, maybe not smart. You know,
9: like we, we want ours, ours to be as good or better than SimHub, but, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's been around for a while, so, um, but ours does, you know, you can dial in the pedals perfectly uh, you can configure the wheel. Uh, you know, every, yeah, everything yeah, works. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: but some people, you know, they prefer SimHub. So, you've been manufacturing cockpits for years. Okay, that's been your bread and butter. Now you've brought out electronics. You've had to kind of venture into the software side of things. How was that?
9: Well, I like to keep busy. Busy. So uh, the TRX, it's done now. Uh, that kept me busy for a while. Uh, Two and a half two years ago i started working on our own amplifier um we've got our own bass shaker under this one. Oh, nice so I the ba- yesterday actually i didn't yeah, know what it was yeah. so i assumed
2: it was a butt kicker or something yeah. It's our own thing
9: yeah it's our own our own product so nice. uh we've been running that uh for the duration of the event it hasn't cut out it hasn't overheated and turned off at all yeah so you know it's a it's a good testament to how it's going to go
0: this one mr danny gusa he ran Sim Racing Expo 2022, we did get to catch up with him a few times during the show, and he did an absolute banging job at managing that event. This was when we actually had him on Sim Sundays, just kind of in a casual environment, and he's going to go and tell you a little bit about what it's like about meeting the other competitors on the track. Sometimes it's controversial, other times, well, check this one out.
2: Yeah. At the end of the year, which is be very exciting. But describe that feeling—the first time that you meet somebody in person that you've been racing with for <laughs> so, so long. Like, is it a bit like? Because in my head, it could go one or two ways. Like, it could, it could either be like a massive hug, a slap on the back, and it's like "hello, old friend," or it could be like hands in pockets, a little nod. Uh, you, you're right. Like uh, it, I don't know. Could it be awkward, or is it completely natural? Like. <laughs> So,
10: how did how did it go i have like i can tell you two experiences okay um i i used to race uh in 2014 and 15 in the iRacing world championship uh back then when we had uh, like the bronc poor gt3 world championship and uh yeah we, we competed against uh redline um koanda Apex was also present at that time back then, and other teams like Team Iberica with the best Iberian drivers and so on. And Team, Re- uh, Team Koanda was always like these kind of perfectionists and really cold. You-, you couldn't get a grip on them. They were like slippy and like really, really professional already in this stage. And then we were like, okay. <clears throat> we're competing against each other, but um, let's get to know each other better because we're also German and we don't live too far away. And I think it was the first Zim racing expo I went to was 14 or 15. And then we we had like hotel rooms uh, together and some stuff like that. And I arrived later than my colleagues and (laughs) I think Friday, 16 or 17 o'clock, I opened the door and everybody was sitting there at the round table, like totally, drinking <laughs> already totally uh up for drinks and they yeah, already drunk some some people and i was like okay this are these guys which are fucking us over on the racing track and they're so 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 like robots on the racing track and then you meet them there like already drunk passed out at 17 o'clock and i was like okay <laughs> okay now i can get the feeling for these guys awesome uh, yeah, later this evening uh, I can't tell the stories, otherwise it's going to be uh, some some kind of t- Twitter t- tweet about these kind of things. Um, <laughs> but it was like this was like the one of these experiences really stick to me because it learned me like never judge people on what's happening on the internet. Because I think b- big big thing is that you can't see the people, you're not experience them like personally, and that's why some people like. Feel like a robot or very very slippery. Slippery, mm-hmm. but that's just the impression you get over the internet. And also, um, I'm very honest. I had like this kind of experience where I was like, "You're such." And, and I'm telling people like this. Well, I meant to one guy like, "You're such an asshole on the track," but in in person, you're really nice and lovely actually. <laughs> Just the most polite young man ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you think like, yeah, but on, 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 on in the end, um, they're all racers, you know, and re- you, you don't finish races in front when you're like the nicest people, and, and you'll be like, yeah, just go ahead. Yeah, um, after you. I, I, let me yeah, let me yeah, hold yeah, the <laughs> door. Yeah, yeah. If, if your team co- co- colleague wants to pass too, here I'm staying uh, on the marbles for you, but um Yeah, so I think the best thing for the community in Zim Racing is when they have like really tough competitions together, but then meet in person. Because that's for me personally, 99%, 99% was always the change also in the behavior on the virtual track. Because then they connect the car to this person that they met. Yeah, and then the behavior is totally different. Also, after the race, when when you had like a small bum incident or something, they, then the people start to say, yeah, sorry, we met because they know you. Because it's more human. You're not racing yeah, against an AI. Yeah, and and sometimes it feels like you're racing against an AI.
2: Yeah, you course. have no human connection with that yeah. car, with that username that's hovering above it. Yeah it's only natural to to be less human in your interaction with them on the track, right?
10: Of course, yeah. And I think that's why it's also a good beneficial point when you try to have connections also via remote, right? So basically, just chatting with people after the race, that's also help, But that's kind of rare, actually, in the current form of competitions.
0: In this final clip, I got the pleasure of bringing on the GridFinder team. So now that we're going into 2023, the GridFinder team is growing and we are actually all going full-time in GridFinder. Tom wasn't in this episode, so he wasn't able to give us the shh -shh and, and make us zip our lips on some features that we've been contemplating bringing to the sim racing world. And in this one, we talk about swipe left, swipe right for stewarding. Check it out now we don't have tom with us for this episode because i'm sure we would have to be like tom stop sharing all the secrets that we have stop saying things about features and stuff but i do want to talk about this this one feature that i've always thought would make it would make me go back to Gridfinder frequently and it was a it was just this little app that tom and i thought up at one point and it was in regards to stewarding right so we all know stewards have like the hardest job on the damn planet to decide whether or not something is someone's fault. Right. So, so Tom and I, you know, we come from the old days. Do you remember the stupid app hot or not (laughs) back in the day? Or there's, there's, of course uh, there's swipe left and right, like Tinder for like, Oh yes, I, I want to talk to this person. No, I don't, whatever. Think about stewarding in that way. Okay. So think about you upload a clip to who's at fault. At Grid Finder or whatever, right? So we'll just call it Who's at Fault from Grid Finder. You upload a clip of a stewarding event and it's either car A or car B and you just swipe left or swipe right for who's at fault in that instant and it just keeps going like a TikTok feed almost and just keeps on giving you like who's at fault incidents.
10: Yeah, that it's always nice to be in other games like CSGO has uh, Overwatch where.
0: It shows you a demo of someone who's been reported for cheating, and you get to vote if you think they're cheating or not. And sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not obvious, and you kind of have to guess. And I think right. an algorithm that if you guess correctly a lot of the times, you have a higher um, okay. status of, you know, like respect Let's or whatever. It. So yeah, like this. Like that. That's really. I, I'm
2: I'm excited because we're we're lucky in that we we have capacity to explore these sorts of things now. In a traditional business, we absolutely would
1: not. Uh, but in this sort of thing, we can we can explore like community tools and stuff, just for fun. <laughs> you know, we we can allocate development time to having fun
2: because that's the space we operate in, and that's the space we've chosen to operate in. And um, yeah, I just think these these sorts of things are so exciting and great for like team. Uh, this, is a bit, this is a bit boring, but, like, you know, team, team team morale, you know, getting together on a Friday
0: afternoon and just think, trying to build something crazy. I think these fun things is what brings traffic, though, because, like, a lot of the times you'll see that some popular website is only popular because they had some little app that drove traffic into it, and then they realized, oh, this mm. is actually a cool thing, you know? So. I think always, even the fun things, the fun community things are always worth checking out, especially at this stage of a project where it's still, you know, quite low level and uh, not as known as it it really should be. But um, yeah. Swipe left, swipe right for stewarding. It's one of the many ideas that we kind of are floating around in our heads about what to bring to Gridfinder in the coming year and in the future in general. I hope you enjoyed this trip through the top 10 moments in 2022 for sim sundays podcast we have a lot of big guests planned right off the rip for 2023 i hope you keep on listening and keep on enjoying the show and you know if you ever want to race with us we record this show live sundays at 8 p.m uk time and it's three o'clock u.s eastern time so if you want to join in on the post podcast racing go ahead and join in on our youtube channel at youtube.com/@simsundays that's going to do it for this year for us once again i appreciate you listening appreciate you watching and here's to a great 2023 thanks again